Hello. How was that worship? Just one look. Before I, I step into it, Amadu, I forgot to give you some extra verses. Can you put them in just right at the end of those? I may go there, I may not, but I want to have them. 1 Peter 1, verse 67. Then James 1, verse 2 to 4. Then Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. Then 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Then Hebrews 12, verse 5 and 6. So I, I am I'm stepping a little bit out of my comfort zone tonight. You can put on Sonia a little bit louder in the house, please. Um, I, fe I felt to teach something quite different uh, in, in the beginning of the week. I wanted to share out of, uh, out of, uh, out of the life of David where he would uh, sit down his son and say, Listen, give, give your heart to me now. Let me teach you uh, the ways of the Lord. And he speaks to Solomon and he says, Right in the beginning, know him, serve him, seek him. Um, but as the week progressed, I keep waking up with Psalm 23 on my heart. And, and, uh, and, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to remind us all again of that beautiful psalm. And uh, I caught myself this week being maybe a little bit too familiar with it. And, uh, but as the week continued, oh, the Lord just keep, kept on washing my eyes. And I gave my heart to the psalm. And it's as if the psalm is now written on my heart. I love, I love paintings. I love beautiful paintings. It's, paintings, um, it speaks to me. You know, sometimes when there's a beautiful painting, I can almost smell the, the, the fields and hear the roar of the ocean. Or, you know, pictures speak, and, and there are some portions of Scripture that for me is like a painting. It just, it, when I look at it, it reveals Him in such a beautiful, magnificent way. And Psalm 23 is, is one of those psalms that within it reveals absolutely the majestic beauty of our King. It's a psalm that David wrote while he was being persecuted by Saul. It's a psalm that was written in a turbulent time in his life but what a revelation David being a shepherd boy understanding the nature of it I was I loved our time of worship and um, someone spoke about the alabaster jar and I was thinking about this just you know and, and then Clarence said you know being extravagant with how you break it in worship I've noticed one of two things you can't be measured and extravagant you've got to choose which one you'll be and uh, the extravagance of your devotion and your 
love and your worship is in direct correlation with your revelation of his worth and his beauty. That's why the, the angels just can't stop, you know. No one's threatening them there with a gun, saying, worship. They just look at him. million times, again a million times, again a million times, again a million times. Holy, beautiful, worthy. And I was thinking about Mary breaking her alabaster jar. And at some point, Jesus smelled like Mary and Mary smelled like Jesus. Isn't that incredible. And he speaks about that in scripture that our prayers go before him as a memorial, a fragrance. That just think about it tonight in some way. You were just like Mary. You did pour perfume over it. You loved it. I wanted us to read Psalm 23, just the whole psalm, and then I'll unpack some, some of it as we go along and it might take me 15 minutes and we'll worship a little bit more. Amadu, my friend, can you put up Psalm 23? I can see close but not far. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love and mercy and kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And this is this is where our story ends, mine and yours. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that amazing? We know how the story ends. Isn't it beautiful? You know how your story ends. It's, it ends with him. It ends with the wedding. <laughs> it ends with the wedding. You can be sure of one thing. Some of us are in that valley of death. Can't see our hand in front of our eyes. It's pitch dark. But we know where it's leading. It's leading to a house called the Father. Father's house. The idea of God being a shepherd is not new when David mentions it at first. It's a theme that you find in how God relates to his people right through scripture. It's a beautiful picture. The qualities within, within a shepherd. Uh, you, you know, the, the, the word shepherd is the Hebrew word raha, which means to feed, to tend to take care of to protect 
And it has a little Hebrew root right underneath this word that means close companion and intimate friend. It's the same little Hebrew root word that you find in the word Ruth. And Ruth refused to leave his, her mother-in-law Naomi. Stay close. When shepherds went out into the field, they weren't in and out. They would go for days. It would be just them and their sheep, a close companion, ones who tends to, feeds, protects, leads, heals. I wanted us to read some scriptures in Isaiah 40, verse 9 to 11. You bring good tidings to Zion. Go up on a high mountain. You bring good tidings to Jerusalem. Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Listen to Isaiah 46, verse 3 and 4. Listen to me, all you are left in Israel. I created you and I have cared for you since before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime. Until your hair is white with age, I made you and I will care for you and I will carry you along and save you. The verse just before that said, before you were born, I held you in my arms. The good shepherd, he's always been this. I want to jump to John 10, verse 7 to 15. Listen to this. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not, not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for them. What Jesus is saying, he's saying he's the good shepherd. He's not like a thief that comes to take. He's not like a hired hand that gets paid to do this. It's because of love. So I know my sheep intimately. You were known before you were formed in your mother's womb. 
this beautiful saying, you were held before you could hold on. And I've noticed this in, just in working with people. We hold on until we realize we're not the ones doing the holding on. It's always been Him. I lay my life down for you. I'll fight for you. I'll protect you. I will not let you go. I love that. When I, when I was reading that, I'm not a hiredling. I'm, I, I'm doing this for love. I'm not like a thief or a robber that comes to take from you and draw from you. I was once again reminded of that, and you all have heard me speak on that. When, 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 when God gave the priests this prayer to pray over the nation, the Lord bless you, the Lord keeps you, the Lord makes His face shine upon you, right? You know, you've heard that. There's now a song that goes by the same words. God gave the priests that blessing to pray over the people because God wanted to reconnect the people to His nature. They've been under a system, Pharaoh, corrupt, demanding, controlling, evil. All he did was take from them day after day. He took from their children. He took from their wives. He took from their men. He just took and took and took. And by the end, just before they were exiled, before the Lord brought them out, that nation no longer identified as the one beforehand that was called to be a kingdom of priests. Their identity was now rooted in this. We are slaves. We are nothing. We have a ruler that steeps over us, demanding. And then their father, he goes, saves them. And he, he brings them out. Remember what he said to Moses. Go get my people that they may worship me. And he, Moses leads them out. And then the story unfolds until he says, you will pray this, you will speak this, you will declare this over them every single day. And then it starts with this, the Lord bless you. The word bless is the word barak. You know what it means? To come on your knee and present a gift. The first thing that God says to his people, I'm not like Pharaoh. I didn't come to stand over you and demand and take coming in on my knees to give to you that's what Jesus is saying I'm the good shepherd I did not come like a thief or a robber to take from you I came to give you life and life in abundance I am the good shepherd I have the, I'm revealing reflecting the very nature of my good father the same one who's always been the shepherd of Israel The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's interesting that the word want there is the word lack. You will have no lack. And it means this. To be lacking in something that will cause failure. In other words, you will never lack what is needed. So there are times where we will go through seasons where there's not a lot. But there will be enough. And everyone sitting here today, you're a testimony of that. He's a good father. If one of my sons asks for a piece of bread, will I give him a stone or a snake? My hands are open. I'm good. You will have no lack. I love Psalm 145 verse 16. 
You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Matthew 6, 25. Jesus, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They are neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more? Are you not of more value than they? Please continue there, Madhu. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about your clothing, considering the lilies of the field, how they grow? They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the words of Jesus. You have a father that knows. Why are you afraid? Why are you anxious? The Lord is my shepherd. A good shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. This is, listen to this. This is a beautiful verse. He makes me lie down. That word, to the, the, the lying down, it's not a demand. It's not, he's not forcing you down to the ground. It's an invitation. He's inviting you. And, 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 and the, 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 the lying down, that thing, he makes me lie down. It, it's, it's the Hebrew meaning there is a crouching or resting position where you have no fear of predators or starvation. Have you seen sheep just resting? That's what David is saying. He, he makes them, he invites them to come and take, take covering in him where there will be no fear in the heart of predators or starvation. They just, they rest. Green pastures. He makes them lie down in green pastures. The Hebrew word for green has the connotation of pleasantness, loveliness, something you enjoy. And the word pastures is the word for home. A lovely home. A beautiful home. What David is saying here, he invites you to come and rest in a beautiful home. I was thinking when I was reading that my father's house has many rooms. He leads me beside the still waters. He carefully, gently leads. That word still means a quiet place of rest and comfort. <laughs> a quiet place of rest and comfort. 
the Greek word for agape, the godly love, is the word agupio. Agu, like a shepherd, pure, will lead to a place of rest. That's his nature. He invites us to come into a pleasant, lovely, beautiful house where we find rest and comfort, where we can breathe and be restored. There's times of refreshing in his presence. And I, and I, I took half of the page writing over it, and he wants to. He wants to give you this beautiful gift of rest and comfort. He wants to bring you into this beautiful home, this beautiful connection, this beautiful place of intimacy with Him. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Are you guys still okay? He leads me in the paths of righteousness. David is in this little verse celebrating God's commitment to his growth and his maturing. This is a very interesting play on words. The word path is the Hebrew word for circle. A track that's made because you walked it a couple of times. And if you look at the Hebrew word, it's an interesting thing. It's like a staircase that's spiraling up. So what David is saying here, he leads me in cycles of righteousness or in circles of righteousness. And I was remembering the story, the best way I can explain this. The best way I can explain this is, Sonia and I, we were traveling, just before we joined Just Jane, we were traveling extensively around the country and um, we had no salary. So we, we were living by faith. Wherever we went to minister, if they wanted to bless us, then that was what we lived from. And there were these times where we had nothing, like nothing. And, and, uh, and at the first, we would stress about it so much. You know? And then God always came through, even if it was just what we needed, but God always came through. And then it will be a good Oh, we will grow out of there into a season where God will provide and the finances will pick up and, and then sometime months later we'll find ourselves again at a place where the finances are now really, really, there's nothing there, you know. And we would ask ourselves the question, it feels like we've just gone around the mountain. We're at the same place again. This is what David is saying. I'm at the same place again but I look different now. It's like I'm fighting this, I have to get faith, this finance thing, but I'm not who I was the first time I went around. I've grown in righteousness. I've grown in the image and in the likeness of God. I've matured in my faith. So I'm at the same place again around the mountain. Once again, I'm having to deal with this financial issue but this time around I, I'm dealing with it slightly different because he's matured me in his likeness and image that's what David is saying here David is celebrating <coughs> God's commitment to his growth David is saying God is intentional with my growth he is committed 
that I would mature in his, into his image and likeness. And when I mature in his, to his image and into his likeness, then his name gets glory. <coughs> Sorry for that. How many of you have felt like you've, you've gone around the mountain? So like, oh, am I here again? Looks like the same place. But you're not the same person. He does test. Can I read 1 Peter 1, 67? In this... You greatly rejoice. This is David. He's rejoicing here. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. James 1 verse 2 and 4. <coughs> Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is what David is saying. Leads me on the paths. Of righteousness. He restores my soul. I wanted to, to just touch there a little bit. This is a beautiful thing. The word restore means to return. David is saying he's returning me. He's returning my soul to me. What does that mean? The best way I can explain this is, listen, it's so beautiful. Remember, while David is writing this, he's been anointed as king over the nation, but he is fleeing for his life. He's being hunted down by a nation. Have you ever been so sick, you're in bed a couple of days, and then you can't move, you just... And then one morning, you wake up and you feel a lot better. And someone asks you, how are you doing? And you say to them, for the first time, I'm feeling like myself again. Have you ever said that? This is what David is saying. He has returned my soul to me. For the first time, he's returned me back to my joy. He's returned me back to my hope. He's returned me back to my peace. He's returned me back to my, to my worship. He's returned me. I feel like myself again. I can imagine David remembering when he was simply uh, shepherding the sheep of his father, sitting, worshiping, writing, meditating, contemplating, no fear, joy, peace. He says, even though I'm being hunted by Saul, somehow you've returned me to that same place again of joy and hope and peace. My soul drifted away. Anxiety took me. Fear took me. Hopelessness took me. But you returned. 
joy back, peace back. Isn't it beautiful? I love it. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, oh, that word valley is a gorge. It's a deep, dark place. Sometimes we end up there. It's just either he leads or we make choices that gets us there. But it's so dark. That's what that word says. It's such a deep gorge. You can't see your hand before your eyes. It's darkness. You can see no way out of your situation. You can see no breakthrough in the future. You don't know what's in front of you. You don't know what's behind you. But David says, I will not be afraid. Because you're with me. That with me is next to me. I'm walking the... I can see nothing but you hear. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. Listen. Thank you, Sonia, for playing. Thirty-one, not thirteen. Sorry, Amadu. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. I love you, Amadu. The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Beloved, look at me just for a moment. You're not alone. You're not alone. Joshua 1 verse 9. Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 1 Peter 5 casts all anxiety on him. You're not alone. I'm reading these scriptures so that you can see his nature. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's an interesting, the rod is a stick you use to discipline and to protect. It's, it's, it's this strange contrast that sometimes comfort is found in the discipline of the Lord because the word says he, he disciplines those he loves. And if you've been a dad or if you are a dad or if you're a grand, you know, there's something in you when you see rebelliousness in your children that's not anger that moves you towards discipline. It's actually deep love. Because you want to see the treasure inside them fully maturing to what it's supposed to be. I wanted to read Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 6. This is the most verses I've ever read while ministering. (laughs) 
And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And maybe some of you he is disciplining. But you need to find comfort in it. Because this is how you get through the valley. This is how you get out of the gorge. Trusting his discipline, his correction in your life. Having not a walled up heart, but allowing him insight to do what you want to do. Correct me if you need to. Abba, you are safe. Your discipline produces a garden in a wilderness. And obviously with uh, the rod, he would protect the bear, the lion, like David knew. And then the staff. The staff is the comfort. On the one hand, he corrects, he disciplines, he protects. There's authority. And on the other hand, you get to lean on him. He keeps you close to him. It's this tension. Your rod and your staff, it comforts me. And then when you pass through the valley, I'm just reminded of that psalm that says, Clarence, you might know what psalm I'm referring to. Is it an ascension psalm? It says, even though they go through the valley of Bacar, the valley of tears, it will lead them to a place of fountains. Every valley leads to a table. If you are in a valley, you're on your way to a feast. If you are in a valley, you're on your way to a feast. It's the nature of your Father. All of us will have valleys. All of us will go through times of testing and difficulty. But if we can trust the nature of God, we can all say He's leading us to pleasant places. Trust. Find comfort in His leadership. He's faultless. In the history of humanity, he has never, not once, made a mistake. He's faultless. He is the perfect leader. He is the one who is ahead and has gone before. And the table, oh, it speaks of his generosity. He's a generous God. He could, he could have given us just what we needed enough but no he's extravagant in his love he's extravagant in his mercy he's extravagant in his kindness not just what we need but more than what we need who is a God like him that delights in showing mercy David would say the loving kindness of the Lord is ever before me. The chesed of the Lord is always before me. It's such an interesting statement. David has now realized he's got this revelation within his heart that I have chosen many paths in my life. Some has been out of obedience to the Lord. Some has been me following my own way. And some has been just because I've chosen sin. But no matter which path I chose, at the end of that path, I found a God waiting with, for me with love. In my obedience, I ran into a God who waited for me. 
In my disobedience, I have found a God waiting for me. His chesed, His love is ever before me. I can't get away from it. The table. Margaret said something beautiful before the service. You know, if you look at the Hebrew context there of that table, it's while the enemies look on that God is setting the table for His beloved sons and daughters. He gives life in abundance. That's what Jesus said. I've come to give you life and life in abundance. The table speaks of, of, of the, the generosity, the, the beautiful quality uh, in, in God. At His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And, and in His presence, there's fullness of joy. He gives extravagantly. He died extravagantly. It speaks of honor. It speaks of honor. And the table speaks of rest. Are you still with me? We're almost there. We're almost there. And he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. He anoints my head. It speaks of that you are favored. You are blessed. You are loved. Beloved, he calls you. Beloved. I love that the first time you hear God speak in the New Testament, not through Jesus, but the Father, is at the baptism of Jesus, right? The last time God spoke was in the Old Testament, in the last book of Malachi, when he had the prophecy that the hearts of the fathers will return to the sons, and the sons' hearts will return to the fathers, lest I strike this land with a curse. That's the last time he spoke. This, now the baptism of baptism of Jesus now 400 years after that time and the first thing God says is beloved my beloved he anoints your head with oil you are favored and loved and my cup overflows I was meditating on this my cup overflows and and I was drawn to the garden where Jesus was. Three times he went to ask the Father, could you pass this cup? Are you sure, Dad? Isn't there any other way? Isn't there any other way? And then he would go back a second time. Isn't there any other way? And he went back a third time. Isn't there any other way? But not your will my will but yours be done and he and because he emptied that cup our cup is overflowing because he emptied the father's cup our cups overflowing we should be on our knees in thanksgiving who is this god he's so humble He's a protector. He's a healer. He's a savior. He's a redeemer. He's a lover. He's a father. And now I come to the verse that caught me the most. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And you know, I always read that little verse. 
I always saw a picture because I'm a picture guy. I saw a picture of me walking and then goodness and mercy is like a little puppy. It just follows me where I go. It's just kind of just there, you know. And it, it, in some ways, it's a beautiful picture. I mean, it's there. It follows me. But this is not what that word means at all. To follow is the Hebrew word radaf. It means to chase you down. God is so eager to chase you down with His love and capture you in His arms. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So here's the picture. David is not saying, it follows me like a little puppy. Goodness and mercy is there. Now and then when I look around, I see goodness and mercy is still coming. But David is saying, when I wake up in the morning, he's chasing me down like a predator. Like a hunter, hunting. That's how relentlessly he's coming for me with his mercy and his kindness and his love. That's the nature of the one you serve. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, you know he's coming for you. He's chasing you down. His mercy is chasing you. And you can run. Try run away from it. Because you'll run into the cassette that's waiting for you. And when you slow down, he captures you. I run after my kids like that, man. My little one, Luca, he's a kid's church. He's not, a, he's not one for snuggling. I have to chase him down and snuggle him. He runs as fast as he can, but I'm still faster. That's what David is saying. He comes to the end of contemplating the nature of God. He says, how best do I say what I've seen in his heart? He pursues me. He chases me. Extravagantly and wildly. So eager to show his goodness to you. And, and, and that picture, for me, maybe just leaving you with that. Here's what we see, just a little picture out of the life of David. David says, the loving kindness of the Lord, the loyal love of God is always before me. Wherever I go, it's waiting. And behind me, there's mercy and kindness and goodness chasing me. That's who he is. And then David ends this beautiful psalm. I will dwell in his house. To dwell means to sit, to rest. And in Christ, we've now come into the house. We are now seated, aren't we? We have come to that rest. Face to face with the Father. And you and I, beloved, will dwell in his house forever. We'll be with him. I want to read that psalm with you again. Is that okay? I want you to read it with me. But this time I want you to read it with eyes that's been washed by majesty. 
want you to not be familiar with it. Let's read it again. And I don't want you to see the beauty of the scripture. I want you to see past what's written and see a father and a savior. I want you to see him. You read it with me. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and just close your eyes for a moment just come home tonight take your seat at the table If you're in a valley, take comfort in him. 